Hey, everybody out there. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Ball and Chain podcast. I am your host, as always, Mark Thomas, actually coming to you from Miami, Florida, in our uh, Miami, uh, new Miami office that we have. Um, I apologize. My apologies if I'm getting a little bit of a, a echo in here. I have not yet formally set up our podcast equipment. Uh, in the new office, so uh, here at the WeWork in Miami, so I might be getting a little bit of a, a little bit of an echo. Appreciate everyone's understanding, though, and uh, it's a good thing. It's uh, awesome down here. Great, great tech vibe here in Miami, and uh, we're excited to have an office here now. Um, sports world, I just don't understand what the heck's going on with the Brewers. Their offense has just turned into a big pile of uh, uh, garbage uh, in a very short period of time. I think they're now at twenty innings or so of. Uh, scoreless baseball, including getting shut out today by the Braves 3-0. Uh, hopefully, they have better fortunes tomorrow. Uh, would really be disappointing if they blew the stellar pitching that they uh, have this season. Uh, Packers pulled one out yesterday, which was pretty wacky, bonkers game. Uh, but you're going to have some of those in the regular season, the NFL season, uh, especially with the extra game now uh, for the 17-game NFL season. So, whatever. 4-1 and one is 4-1. and one, And... Uh, uh, it's hard to get any win in the NFL, so we'll take it. And uh, looking forward to the Bucks starting their season soon. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, let's get to our awesome guest for today. Uh, it is uh, Alex Smith, and he's a writer, a sports betting writer at XL Media, uh, and handicapper at Covers, um, as well as uh, kind of doing some of his other own stuff that he's got going on. And excited to talk. Uh, about everything that he's doing in the sports betting world. Welcome to the Ball and Chain Podcast, Alex. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, it looks like you've been doing a lot uh, the last, really, honestly, 10 years or so in the sports betting world. Uh, why don't you walk through for our guests a little bit more about your background, uh, you know, starting with being a sports handicapper uh, for college and pro football, as well as uh, what you kind of currently do right now for uh, the NHL uh, and XL Media and covers. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've been with a lot of different companies, uh, you know, around the way. But like I said, started, I got into the sports handicapping business basically out of a, a transitional period where I was actually a musician. Uh, I started playing music uh, when I was a young child, but then I ended up leaving where I grew up in Chicago, moving to St. Paul, Minnesota. I went to St. Uh, McNally Smith Music College. They, they folded since then, but I uh, went to school there and, and met up with some people and uh, started playing with some bands. I, I actually had formed a band called I Corvinus uh, back around 2010, 2011, and I played with that band. Also ended up managing some other artists as well, but uh, I transitioned out of that because the money wasn't really that great. You know, obviously being a struggling musician, uh, it was a bit tough. And then I ended up having a gallbladder surgery. Uh, so I couldn't play on, on stage. I couldn't perform. I was a bass player. So when I, you know, I had time being off stage, one of my hobbies, I'm a big sports fan, was I was betting on sports. And so I would just kind of just make notes and start writing things on Twitter uh, and, and through there, I was able to kind of, you know, gain the attention of a diff some different people. One of the people most notably would be Matt Humans, who uh, he writes now for VSIN, but he, back then he was still with ESPN Radio in Las Vegas and the Las Vegas Review Journal, the newspaper. And so from there, uh, I got spots on, uh, you know, ESPN Radio in Vegas, started getting more notoriety on, on different places and different websites. And then over the last 10 years now, I've kind of bounced around from different places. Uh, doing freelance writing, doing my own writing with my own website, axsmithsports.com. 
and then it's turned into now a podcast where I've done podcasts. Uh, the box seats was an old show I did. Currently, I'm doing the Ice Guys. Uh, and like I said, I would, you know, did some work with covers as well over the years. So it's it's just been a whirlwind. Like I said, as the growth of sports betting expands in the United States, uh, my career has taken me in so many different avenues and places. That's awesome. Uh, so I guess my question for you with regards to as you move from music over into sports betting is, you know, yes, I understand that the monetization of it might have been a little bit tougher in the music space. But didn't you also think maybe back then that it would be tough to get into sports betting, given that sports betting, you know, wasn't it was only legal in Nevada. Um, it wasn't legal in the 29 states that it is now. So what were your thoughts going from maybe what you perceived as one risky kind of venture to another, um, but maybe one that you were equally as passionate about. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, obviously both they you know, have have their their you know kind of uh, pitfalls and and struggles. But I saw where the expansion and growth of sports betting was on the horizon. I knew that the the Papsville law was going to be struck down at some point, and I figured that this was my shot to kind of you know work my way in. If things hadn't have gone the way of, of expansion that we've seen, then I would have easily been able to trans transition out of that. I could have gone back to music or maybe even done something all you know together differently. But I saw where the growth was going. And I was I got I was fortunate enough to, like I said, get, you know, make the right connections and, and jump in at the right time. And now uh, it's kind of propelled me into, you know, I, I basically made a gamble that that has paid off now uh, within actually taking a job in gambling. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So were you a pretty active sports better yourself while you were still in your music career or yes. was it something brand new that you got into? OK, and no, I, 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 I grew up in a, in a big sports family. I have my grandfather played baseball in the Negro Leagues. Uh, my uncles played baseball. I play. I was played baseball briefly in high school. Um, my mom and dad, they love sports. I've been a, a sports fan since I could basically crawl and walk. And I started betting on games when I was, you know, high school. I would, you know, bet with friends a few bucks here and there. So I had an idea of how it worked. But then over time, I got to really know the difference between just recreational betting and, and, and seeing how guys were able to do it for a living, you know, and, and take that kind of discipline and that method and grow it and then, you know, make that my own uh, style of betting as well. And when you were betting, uh, you know, prior to actually getting into the writing aspect of it, you know, what were your top sports and leagues that you were primarily focused on? What types of bets within those sports and leagues? You know, it was it was basically football and basketball, which is, you know, those are usually the two most popular sports. I watched all sports growing up, but those are the two that I already, already knew. I knew about how the point spread worked and over-unders. I didn't quite understand how the money line worked exactly. So it took a little longer for me to adapt to betting on hockey, which is now my, my main sport. But once I got to understand that and just kind of understand just how, how numbers work as a whole within sports betting, you know, you can obviously, you know, find a way to to find the reflection of the point spread and money lines uh, and find the correlation between the two. So that was a growth process that I had. But when I first started, it was just pretty much, you know, I, I was a square. I would, you know, be, you know, laying points uh, in, in football or basketball, always taking the over. And, you know, I had to kind of learn and, you know, figure out, okay, you know, there's other ways to approach this, you know, looking at underdogs, looking at undervalued teams and those nuances. It takes time to learn that, but I was able to kind of pick that up uh, fairly quickly. So it says in your bio that you, you know, kind of learned how to like draw charts and get into statistical analysis. You know, did you set up models for yourself to be able to, you know, determine value and determine the best bets for you to possibly make? 
No, no computer models or anything like that. It was, it was pretty much just very old school. When I grew up, you know, like I said, being a fan of sports, I used to always, instead of going to the games and getting the, you know, the big program, I would always get media guides. I was always fascinated with the numbers aspect and, and the historical aspect of, of sports. So I was able to kind of take that approach to, you know, setting up my handicapping, you know, looking at trends and setting up, you know, charts for data. I, I'd have charts that you couldn't find on the internet for things that, you know, I was personally tracking over two, three years. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of statistical analysis is what I, you know, took in the approach. Not so much now where you have, you know, a lot of algorithm based, uh, you know, like I said, models o- online and so forth. I- I've gotten into that and I've gotten to some more of the analytical uh, aspects, but I-, I still, for the most part, consider myself a, a quote unquote old school handicapper. I kind of, you know, the eye test, watching games, getting a feel and noticing little nuances is how I, you know, mostly make my bets. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I've talked to other professional or semi-professional sports bettors before that are much more statistically focused or inclined. And the thing that always kind of comes back to me, especially I would say with football and basketball, but especially football, it's like, you know, there's so much there's so much emotion that goes into the performance piece of it. Right. Um, And there's so much of the, you know, kind of uh, subjective part of uh, sports that come into play. Maybe not so much with baseball because it truly is like an individual sport masquerading as a team sport, um, especially with uh, the advanced analytics and sabermetrics and so forth. But, you know, it just feels to me like football. Yeah, I get you can run statistical models, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't come across like it's the sport that you can really, you know, uh, just model your way into, you know, being successful 55 to 60% of the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat as far as this this game goes. You know, there's there's multiple ways to find you know angles and and, and things to win, but like I said, the, there's just seems to be something more, uh, you know, evergreen and natural about having the feel of like I said, watching a game and like I said, you know, taking those, uh, you know, those natural kind of uh, you know aspects of the game and putting it into your handicap, like I said, the, the emotional feel, especially you talk about college sports, you know, we went through this year with the pandemic where, you know, you had these, you know, stadiums that usually hold 90,000, hundred thousand people were basically empty. Think about, you know, this past weekend, you had Alabama, Texas A&M, C-A-A-N-M pulled the upset over number one, Alabama. Well, do you think that hundred thousand large crowd had something to do with that? Of course, that that energy they fed off of, they wouldn't have been able to pull that off in an empty stadium last year. So those little things that you can't just put into uh, an Excel spreadsheet, you have to kind of you know watch that and feel that and sense that, and then you can add that to uh, your daily handicap. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's what's really interesting uh, with the pandemic here last year, where there were no or very small crowds. Uh, in most stadiums and arenas was it really took a lot of the typical home field advantage stuff and threw it out the window. And now yeah. we're back to, of course, you know, full stadiums, full crowds. And we have been since uh, really uh, May or June. And uh, so that really, I think, has kind of changed things back. And so maybe there's an adjustment period where people have to go back to saying, shoot, I forgot about <laughs> the fact that, you know, this can drastically impact, you know, a team's performance. Um, whereas last year, didn't even have to worry about that at all. Um, so that's, uh, that's definitely interesting, both for, you know, football and basketball, it usually doesn't crowd, you know, stuff usually doesn't come into play too much for baseball, but kind of a little bit, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, definitely very interesting stuff. So, uh, also says here that you have bet extensively on the NHL, uh, and you have a very extensive knowledge of the NHL. It feels to me like that would be, well, you know, kind of, we see this with Zen sports. That's one of the lesser sports that's bet on, um, 
So maybe you could talk about why maybe general, the general population doesn't bet on the NHL so much and why you feel like, you know, your capabilities of betting on it, you know, either give you an advantage or, you know, allow you to bet uh, strategically. Well, you look at the, the landscape of sports, especially on television and media and print. Obviously, what do we see every day? We always hear about the NFL. We're always hearing about college football. We always hear about the NBA. You turn on ESPN, first thing you're going to see is, is either, you know, Sports Center opening up with, a, you know, NFL story and something about the Chiefs or the Patriots or NBA, something about story about LeBron and the Lakers. So those are the, the sports that are always kind of just ingrained into everyone's, you know, psyche and, and you know, the NHL is a kind of a lesser forgotten sport. You think about, you know, the lockouts they had over the last couple of years and, you know, it's just, it's just not as popular to watch, which means it's not as popular to bet. You know, people, when they're recreationally betting, they want to put a few bucks on something that they're seeing on TV. You know, they're, you know, at a party or out at the bar, you know, having drinks with some friends and they throw $20 or $50 down on, on the game, you know, of, of the night on TV. That's not how I attack things. Even when I bet, you know, college football, college basketball, I tend to have games where I can't even find the radio feed online because I can get information from those lesser known schools that, you know, other people can't find. And sometimes the bookmakers can overlook things. So that's the same thing in the NHL. The NHL runs from October to June normally. And during that time, most books are dealing with the NFL, college football, the start of NBA, the end of the Major League Baseball playoffs, then going into college basketball and March Madness. So there's never a time where the books can make the NHL a number one priority. And that gives us, you know, betters who, those of us who bet on hockey, it gives us an edge in finding numbers and finding out information before uh, those lines can move. And that's, you know, how, you know, you look, go back to even football and basketball 50 years ago, the best handicappers in the world were just able to, you know, find information quicker than everybody else and attack numbers. But you can't really get that, you know, jump on information with the NFL because it's so heavily covered. Where the NHL, you can find those edges still. Yeah, and I would also say, I mean, I would just throw my two cents in here that it feels like just because of the way the scoring system is structured, you know, in the NFL and to some degree, even the NBA and baseball, well, I yeah. guess just because there is more scoring, um, that it just lends itself more to kind of vetting. Plus, of course, you get the, you know, just a couple of times a week notion with regards to it. Um, plus, obviously, we all just know that football is king in general from a viewership perspective. Right. And, and then on the hockey side of things, you know, there are some viewership challenges uh, there for sure. Um, it's a great sport. I love hockey. Um, but maybe it's like, well, you know, if I take such and such team minus one and a half, like, I mean, if the other team scores a goal, I'm pretty much screwed. <laughs> right. And, 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 yeah. and that's the thing, too. You know, I, like I said, I mentioned that that was something that I had to learn over time was, okay, how does the money line work? This is not exactly like a spread, but then you have a right. puck line that can be, you know, plus one and a half, minus one and a half. You have these totals, you know, like I said, you're used to seeing, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of justify in your head betting a football total of over 45 or under 50, uh, a right. basketball total of, of over 218. But when you see five and a half, you go, okay, you have to, you know, you have to kind of like minimize it, break it down into your head. But it's like, okay, once you watch hockey and you get, all right, well, the flow of the game, there's usually only, you know, maybe two or three goals in the first period the things kind of slow down you might see a burst of goals late so that's where you you know you can kind of you have to kind of every game in my head is like a puzzle or an, or a story and you have to kind of like you know write that story out and see how it plays out you know so that's the way i look at pretty much all games essentially but especially hockey you have to kind of see where the numbers fit the possible narrative uh, of which players are playing and what other situations home ice uh you know different trends and you kind of put that puzzle together 
Right. And what type of bets do you usually place in hockey and what are some of the challenges with regards to like looking at those bets? So I do basic money line sides and totals, but the, the biggest thing that I, that I'm known for, and you know, this is what really kind of blew up on first Twitter. And then it kind of took my storm through different channels of media was the first period over. And the story of how this went was, a, this is a few years ago. It's about, about three, three, three and a half years now. This started with the football trend and uh, talking about Alabama, University of Alabama's first half over, uh, first half uh, uh, spreads. They had been covering these pretty much at will. It was just they, you know, they were just the best team in the nation. They're just running past everybody. And so it gave me a, a, an idea of starting looking at, at all sports, kind of like breaking it down half by half. Like I said, kind of, you know, looking at it from a storyboard mode. So with the NHL, I started picking up one postseason where a lot of teams were getting off these hot starts early. And I'm seeing that, okay, they have the first period, second period, third period numbers. And then it goes into the regular season. I'm, I'm a Chicago fan. I'm born and raised in Chicago, so I'm a Blackhawks fan. And Patrick Kane, superstar ringer for the Hawks, he said after uh, a game in Vancouver, they had lost four to two, but they gave up two goals very early. And he says, you know, we're always stuck playing from behind. He says, we haven't been getting off to fast starts. The teams have been jumping ahead of us early, and then we've had to fight our way back. And so when he said that, I looked back at the last four or five games, and I noticed the Hawks had been either down 2-1 or 2-0 or tied at 1. They were cashing these first period overs. That number was set at 1.5, and and because it was just, you know, afterthought, people weren't betting it. Even, Even, you know, hardcore hockey bettors hadn't paid attention to this. This number had never moved. It's always one and a half. Mm-hmm. So if you can find two teams that are scoring early, okay, all you need is two goals in 20 minutes, you cash in this number. And because it wasn't me and bet, the numbers were pretty much set at a pick and price. You might even find a plus 105 or plus 110. So now I just started picking the Hawks first period over every game. It went on a run of 20 and two. Then I noticed there's a couple other teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's have a high powered offense for, for years. They also had some goaltending issues. They went on a 22-3 and three run. There was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. They have a great offense. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, fast team. They play a lot of teams that have goaltending issues. There ended up being five or six teams that went on these extensive runs, and the books weren't catching up to it for a good while. And then all of a sudden, word of mouth started spreading like wildfire. And before you know it, that one and a half – you were either betting what you what may have been a, a, a you know even money bet or um, a pick and bet. You were now laying a dollar sixty, a dollar seventy, up to two dollars. So you had to lay two to one mm-hmm. to play it, even though they were still cashing at at the rate. So there were people who who had never laid more than one twenty or one thirty in their lives. They're they're betting two hundred to win back a hundred because they were still cashing hand over fist at almost a seventy to seventy five percent clip. Then the books got smart and they started changing that one and a half number to two. And then things got a, a bit tricky. We started seeing games falling, you know, one to one. They push or teams would miss that second goal and they won nothing. And now that, you know, uh, betters are starting to lose laying that heavy juice. So if, like anything else, you know, the books were adjusting. So now the betters have to adjust. And now we're kind of back to square one, especially this season with uh, a couple of changes that are being made. The NHL is going to crack down. They said a bit more on cross-checking. Well, if you're looking for more penalties, then that means there's going to be more power play chances. More power play chances lead to more scoring. So we might be back on another wave of seeing these first period overs cash. Yeah, that's interesting. And then the other aspect of, of NHL betting just seems like how 
different the regular season gets played than the playoffs. Obviously, the same can be said about the NBA, right? I mean, the defense is tightened up significantly once the playoffs start, but you still tend to get a good feel for, you know, what, you know, the teams are going to do. Um, maybe the over-unders get adjusted a bit for that, um, but it feels like the playoffs are, or the regular season is so different than the playoffs in hockey, probably the most dramatic difference of, of all the four major sports. Um, so how do you bet like regular season versus playoff hockey? So, I mean, there's a, there is a, a, a big, a big difference, obviously in the, the flow of games between the regular season and, and postseason, like I said, it's with, it's with any sport, but I, I personally like the regular season more. Obviously you have more teams playing, you have more games, mm-hmm. there's more numbers to jump upon. And the thing, the difference between the NHL and the NBA is that where the NBA, especially now with the load management situation, yeah. it's a little bit harder to read any given night with NHL teams are usually going to work their behinds off 60 out of 82 games. You're going to have a, a good effort. You obviously going to have some teams that run into injury issues or just have a, a totally bad night like any other sport, but you're going to get some, some good efforts from all 30 without 32 teams uh, on any given night. So you have a better edge. If you can find, you know, okay, both teams are motivated and playing well. All we need to know is who has the better team and then we can work from there. So, like I said, that's, I like betting the regular season more, but in the playoffs, like I said, things do tend to tighten up. Not so much in that first round, because like I said, the first round kind of has a bit more of an even open field, especially because teams have rested for a few days and are a bit more relaxed. But of course, as things go on and you have, you know, talk about high pressure situation games condensed into an, a six and a half to seven and a half week schedule. Then you start to see teams, you know, tighten up a little bit more defensively, try not to make so many mistakes. And then you see less scoring, uh, which does make for compelling hockey to watch, but not always as, as compelling to bet. Yeah, and I have to say the load management piece in the NBA is, is really actually screwing up the, the betting world. I mean, like you yeah. see it with Zen Sports. Um, I mean, it just almost is now coming down to a race for who gets the information faster with regards to uh, who's going to sit that night. I mean, not really the skill part or the entertainment part. I mean, okay, I'm a Bucks fan, so I'll use them as an example. Um, and actually, Giannis doesn't sit very often, but let's just let's just say that he does one night. And let's say it's a game time decision, and you've got the Bucks minus ten, um, you know, against the Cavs or something. Uh, now it becomes a lot harder for them to cover. You know, I just right. it just you know it's 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 got to be, re- you know, I, I think the NBA really needs to figure something out there. Um, or maybe, um, maybe, uh, you know, books or betters, you know, if uh, one of top two or three guys play, I don't know, less than 10 minutes or less than five minutes or something, the bet is, is canceled. I mean, something's got to give because I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it's going to, it's just going to, it's going to lead to people just not betting because they don't want to take that risk that that happens. Yeah, you're after right. I mean, my basketball betting, especially the NBA, has dropped off significantly. And that, I mean, I, that that has part to do with the fact that I'm more invested in the NHL and they run at the same time. But like you said, with the load management situation, it's just, you know, you, you have to really be kind of, you know, sitting and, and watching and waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. And you, you could be sitting there all day and it, and it may not happen. You may have everybody play and everything's good. Or all of a sudden, like I said, it, there's no flow or structure, even with the NHL or, or, or the NFL, let's take the NFL, for example, you know, you know, you get your injury reports every day. And then by Thursday or Friday, you know, who's playing and who's not. And you can kind of, you know, manage and go from there. The NHL, you have your morning skates and by, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and, and you're given time, 
you'll know who's going to be playing, who's starting in goal. You know, and, and that's one thing, actually, you know, the only sport that really has where you can cancel a bet based on, on a, a, your lineup is baseball. You have the pitchers are listed. And if the pitcher gets scratched, then your bet's void and you can rebet it. Or you can bet, you know, any action and not worry about the pitchers. Something I've, I've actually talked to bookmakers about in recent years is that should be a thing for goaltenders. You know, you have yeah. goaltenders, starting goaltenders, and, and there's a big drop off for some teams with starting goaltenders and backup goaltenders. Mm-hmm. And I think to have, uh, you know, starting goalies listed or any action, I think that would be a really great thing. But once again, the NHL doesn't command enough money with the, with the books to change that. That might change over time. We've seen the growth of hockey betting, especially now with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights getting a team. So betting hockey in the, in the state of Nevada has grown huge. And now with the expansion into states that are already hockey heavy uh, locations like Pennsylvania, like New Jersey. Uh, so now we're going to hopefully see that growth and maybe that'll be a change. So what you mentioned about the NBA, you know, having a, a you know, some kind of a, of a you know lineup protection, uh, you know, clause with your bet. Maybe that could be something that we see down the line. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's exactly right. You just pay a little bit of a small premium uh, to have, uh, or maybe it just gets, you know, adopted as an industry standard because the books can suffer on the opposite end of it too. Um, Just something in place because, you know, you're betting on certain things. Now, uh, you know, if the game starts and there's an injury that happens, well, that's a totally different story, right? You know, then, you know, that's just life and that happens. Uh, or if somebody gets pulled because, you know, of, I don't know, uh, disciplinary action the last second or whatever. Um, but, you know, just the, the load management issue and because it's so rampant and widespread in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I mean, something something at some point has got to give. So we'll see uh, with that. So uh, you've been doing a lot of sports betting writing for, you know, covers and XL Media. Walk me through what you find that most sports bettors want to see content-wise that gets them really engaged and excited to read your content. So, well, and, and, and keep in mind the, that the, the Excel media stuff that is, that is kind of since passed. Uh, I've been made, making a transition out of that, but, but as far as the content that I provide uh, with any writing, like I said, I've done freelance writing for many companies over the years. Uh, it's been more about just cause everybody gets game previews and reviews and recaps. You can get that from any web, you can get that from any news site basically. But I've tried to just write down some of the strategies, try to get people inside of my head and of how I bet. For example, I did an article last year and it's been recirculated about three or four times now about how I look at NHL live betting. Uh, in game wagering has really taken off. And it obviously, once again, like everything else, it starts with football and basketball, but you know, now it's been adapted to baseball and hockey and, and, Hockey, it's one where you really have to, like you said, the analytical value that you have in hockey. And there's a lot of it. You see a lot of the, you know, Corsi and Fenwick stats, those advanced shot stats and different things. You have to kind of almost throw those out of the way when you're live betting hockey. Live betting is is truly a a feel uh, and a read and react kind of scenario. If you're watching a game, you can't have any distractions around you. You got to make sure you have, you know, everything set up on your computer or your phone to be ready to bet at a moment's notice. If you notice a team take a penalty uh, and, and all of a sudden now there's a delayed penalty call, you can grab that team that's going on the power play to score next goal. But it might be plus 120 right now. But if you wait for that whistle, that plus 120 is going to flip and be, you know, you're laying a dollar 20 or laying a dollar 30. So there's a real fine. It's, it, it's, it's, it's pinpoint timing and accuracy that you have to have. Uh, to be solid at, at betting, you know, in game. So writing about things like that, writing about trends that you know people aren't seeing. For example, I like I said we talk about home ice advantage. 
I like to make notes about, you know, how certain crowds react on certain nights. For example, the Chicago Blackhawks, they've always had an issue with the crowd really getting geared up for their 6 o'clock p.m. Sunday night starts. It's just a different feel than, say, the raucous crowd of a 7.30 Friday night crowd or a 7 o'clock Wednesday crowd against the big team. And, and this is something, that, you know, you could add it up and say that, okay, that, you know, crowds are – you know, not, not getting too lit up because they got to go to work the next morning or, or you know, there could be a number of things, reasons why. But but just keeping track of numbers of saying like, OK, well, the Hawks are two and five on Sunday evenings as opposed to being five and one on Friday nights. So making notes like that, that that's the kind of content that I've provided over the years writing with different sites and uh, people have really seemed to enjoy it. Nice. So I guess the question with regards to in-game betting then, especially for well, yeah, let's focus on hockey here is, you know, I mean, the puck is moving so darn fast. I mean, how can you realistically get that, like, next play type of bet going when by the time you get the bet in, I mean, it might be over? Yeah, and that, the thing is you have to, you know, have – you almost have to have some kind of prior knowledge to the game. I, I won't lie about that. You know, you, there are three TV timeouts at the 15-minute mark, the 10-minute mark, and the five-minute mark of each period. So in watching that kind of flow, that gives you at least a base of seeing, you know, how the puck is moving. Obviously, like I said, the puck's going to move back and forth. But you, now if you're watching a team and see how they – how are they able to dump the puck into the opening zone? Are they carrying the puck into the, to the, the their opposing zone? Are they having turnovers in the neutral zone and they're giving the puck away? So basically, to you know, compare it to basketball, you know, a, a midcourt turnover, you know, and leading leading to a fast break. So you know, that's the way that I. Those are the things that I look for and kind of react with uh, in relation to the time of, of of play within that period. That's basically the the the. I guess that's if I had to give someone a base guideline of of, of live betting. That's part of what I would take into it, knowing those parameters and then going from there, like I said, and then following how the play is developing within those parameters. It's funny because Adam Silver, uh, there's apparently a rumor going around that he spoke to Rob, Rob Manfred, you know, the commissioner of baseball and said, oh. don't do things to speed up your pace of play because you're going to want this slower pace of play when it comes to in-game betting. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, but the problem is, is MLB isn't embracing betting like the other three sports are, especially like sure. uh, basketball and football are. So let's talk about that. Like, you know, I mean, NFL is all, all, all in on sports betting, you know, just, you know, three and a half years after actually, you know, trying to stop it. Um, and then NBA, uh, Adam Silver has been the most, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, futuristic looking uh, and forward looking uh, commissioner yeah. of all the professional sports having right, having written the New York Times op-ed piece about, um, you know, wanting to legalize sports betting many, many years ago, uh, way before uh, PASPA was repealed. Why do you think MLB and NHL are just not getting with the program when they see the gobs of money? You cannot turn on an NFL or NBA game without seeing 20 ads for DraftKings, points bet. MGM, Caesars, uh, et cetera. I mean, the FanDuel pick of the night for the NBA TNT telecast is right in, you know, the telecast yeah. with Charles Barkley. So what, why has baseball and, and hockey been so behind the eight ball or just not, I guess, asleep at the wheel when it comes to bringing sports betting into their sports? Well, you know, those are two sports that if you look at it from the top down in all aspects, they're very archaic. 
They're very territorial in the way that things are done. You know, we talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, for example. There's a lot of, uh, in the, you know, the history, and there's history in all four major sports, obviously, but the history really sticks with the baseball and hockey crowds and, and, and the, the heads and the brass of those sports. And I think that's why they have an aversion to uh, accepting hockey, uh, you know, uh, betting within those sports. Hockey has been a little bit more accepting than baseball. You know, we're starting to see more commercials and, and more different things. Uh, and, they, you know, there have been talks about, you know, having different things like, the, you know, tracking the puck, tracking the speed of certain players mm-hmm. uh, to help with, with you know, uh, things to bet on. But like I said, and it also comes down to, you know, viewership and ratings, too. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, like like I said, Adam Silver, when he wrote that op that, he says, you know, if people are able to bet on the game, they're going to watch the game. You know, a, a, a lowly game between the, you know, Minnesota Timberwolves and the, the Milwaukee Bucks may not draw a whole lot of viewership outside of Minnesota and Wisconsin. But, you know, if somebody in Tennessee's got, a, you know, $100 on it, well, guess what? They're going to try and find that game and watch it. So that's the approach, and especially when you talk about a sport like the NHL that is just desperate for television ratings. And now they've got a new deal with Turner Sports and ESPN starting this season. They should really be trying to embrace that more because I, I can tell you as a, a handicapper and someone who, you know, uh, with my personal service and my writing and my podcast, I can't tell you the amount of texts and tweets and emails I've gotten over the years from people who said, you know what? I never watched hockey before until I started following you and betting your picks or, or reading your articles. And now not only do I bet hockey, but I'm a hockey fan. And, and and to someone who's grown up a lifelong hockey fan, that's the biggest compliment I can get from someone is that, wow, you took time not only just to you know appreciate you know the work that, that I've done, but but now you've become a fan of this sport that I love so much. And I was able to help with that. So that's a really cool feeling to have. And that's that's something that I think the league needs to embrace more. There needs to be more vocal leaders of, of, of promoting betting. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to turn the, the world into, you know, everybody, we just all become, you know, handicappers and professional gamblers. That's not going to be a thing, but no, but, but just, you know, to show someone that, Hey, you know what, throwing 20 bucks in this game, you know, you might be a little more interested and then you might focus on it a little bit more. And then you realize, Oh, I didn't know this aspect or this you know thing within the game of hockey. And now you become a bigger fan. Uh, you know, which, which just, that helps all of us. That helps uh, the teams. That helps the leagues. That helps. You know, the more growth, the better. So, uh, you know, that little step it, it might not seem like a lot to you know the the heads of like I said Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League, but it really can you know turn into some kind of movement. And I, I've seen it firsthand. So, what would you recommend uh, with regards to uh, someone trying to break into uh, the NHL? Uh, or NHL betting, I should say. Like, so someone that really never watches the NHL much at all, maybe they don't have a local team in their area. You know, what would you do to recommend for them to get started betting on the NHL? Is it just watch a season's worth of games and not make a bet at all to first get a feel for the sport? Or would it be to try certain bet types out, you know, with low dollar amounts? What would you recommend to those that have never touched a hockey bet before in their lives? Yeah, as we're going into a new season, the way I would recommend it would probably be take the first month and just watch games and just get a feel of the pace of play and seeing how things react. And, you know, maybe just, you know, you get the schedule for that night and just circle a team you think is going to win. Uh, and, and then from there, you can go and then start looking at the lines and see how the lines reflect. And then maybe, you know, kind of keep track of how teams are scoring. You know, 
Has this team scored three or four goals in a row in three games? You know, or, or are they struggling to, to find ways to score? Are they taking a lot of penalties? You know, you know, start kind of building a, a you know a, a bit of a dossier of sorts within yourself, and then from there you can start you know you know maybe making a few ten or twenty dollar bets. You know, uh, you know, seeing how the money line works. You know, learning those techniques. So you can take within a full season. You can go from just being a a, a casual observer who's never bet a game to you know possibly by the end of the season. You know, you're someone who's well versed and, and and understands the pace and tempo of the game, and you're able to to you know make a a you know calculated wager and win it uh, by the end of the year. I, I think that is that is definitely possible. That's awesome advice. So, what's in your future, Alex? Is it uh, you know becoming a, a shark, a professional sports better? Is it uh, trying to, you know, find bigger and better, you know, uh, writing and content opportunities for yourself. Um, we'd love to see kind of what your vision is for yourself or where you see yourself in the next three to five years, you know, given your uh, wide array of, um, you know, just awesome sports betting as well as writing experience. I mean, my, my vision, you know, not to be greedy, but it's, it's all of it, honestly. I, I you know, I, I want to keep in, increasing my bankroll and my portfolio to, to be, you know, even stronger uh, professionals better than I am already, but also to, you know, like I said, with my writing and the podcast that I'm doing now, you know, I've been doing a show for six seasons called the ice guys, uh, along with another, uh, better and Ian Cameron and a veteran sports writer, Jimmy Murphy. And, you know, we do a show every day where we interact with other betters and we, you know, we're trading off knowledge and information and giving things from different angles, you know, and it's been really nice because having a guy like Jimmy Murphy who writes with the Boston Bruins, he's worked with a couple other teams over 20 years of writing experience and being in the locker room and in the trenches of the NHL. He, he's given me and Ian a viewpoint that we've never really been able to, to get and then vice versa, because even though he's a, a better, but he hasn't seen it from the professional angle. So we've given him kind of a, a new lease and it's, it's kind of, you know, he's, he said it's improved his writing, you know, covering a, a team from a daily basis. So it's been nice to work together in that aspect. Like I said, that just shows you how the, the game can grow you know, from one aspect to another that, you know, uh, gambling can help, you know, possibly, you know, ask a question to a player that you know, a writer might have never thought about because that is a aspect of the game, a stat of the game that only a better would be focusing on. So, uh, you know, I would love to, like, you know, to keep growing that program and keep growing, you know, other things. And like I said, you know, we've seen the the increase of, of mainstream media picking up betting shows. You know, hopefully one day that that program could be on, on an ESPN or a Fox Sports nationwide. Uh, so that along with with growing my own personal bankroll, those are my two real goals right now to to, you know, make this like I said, it's a, it's a full time career for me. Like I said, I've, I've been out of the music for, for a while and I had other side jobs that I've left. This is this is truly my goal is to to, to grow my you know betting business and hopefully to try to expand it and, and to help others you know most people when they think of sports handicapping they think of you know guys selling picks and you know being touts and screaming you know about 900 numbers that those days are long gone you know i'm in this the same way that someone you know is trying to you know help uh someone you know with the stock investors and, and trying to help grow people's portfolios i want to help grow people's bankrolls that's truly the, the goal of me doing this uh, you know having a pick service i could just bet on my own if i wanted to but i, I feel like i have a gift and, and, and at least a vision enough to where I can really help people, you know, win money at this. And, and I, I've done it already. I've been able to do that. And so I'm hoping to continue that as well as growing for myself. And, and like I said, you know, trying to, to grow uh, from a business aspect as well. 
Well, that's really awesome, Alex. And I mean, you are certainly coming into this at the exact right time. Um, you know, not too early, not too late. What I mean by that is that um, it's, you know, not too early in the sense that, you know, if you had tried doing this maybe, you know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, especially on the content side, you certainly would have had an audience, but nowhere near as big as it is now since PASPA has been repealed and sports betting is legal in right. 29 states as of the date of this episode. Um, and then conversely, um, you know, you're not too late because it's not like the market is completely mature um, and has, you know, all states legalized and everyone kind of spoken for in terms of their preferred content providers. Uh, it's really kind of the sweet spot, in my opinion, timing wise. And this is the this is the time for those that are looking to break in the industry to really, you know, uh, get out there, uh, make a name for themselves, you know, show that they've got some, you know, original content, show that they can provide some, you know, original analysis and a unique perspective on how they do things. And so I think that's just uh it's really awesome that you want to not only just keep it to yourself uh, and you know make money yourself, but also to share that with others. Um, so you know, thank you uh, for you know furthering this industry and uh, you know helping you know helping it move forward and, and giving people an opportunity to um, you know to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I was raised by by you know my my mom and dad. My da- my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse, and and their jobs were to help people with the knowledge they have, and you know obviously that's on a much grander scale when you're talking about someone's life and health but but i took that same approach of you know i have this this you know this skill within this realm and like i said if i can help then you know why not you know like i said it, it only makes things better for all of us as a whole uh so you know it just it just made total sense to me and that's that's what i, I hope to continue to do yeah, that's awesome, Alex. Well, look, I mean, thank you so much again for being on the pod. Uh, I think this was just a really great episode uh, to give people a chance to, you know, learn more about, you know, what you've done, learn more about what it's like betting on hockey, because I, I think there's a lot uh, of our audience and listening members that haven't probably touched a hockey bet uh, in ever, um, let alone, you know, recently. So that's awesome. And then also just showing everyone, you know, if you're if you're looking to break in this industry, there's ample opportunity for everyone involved. So, um, really can't thank you enough, Alex, for being on the show. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, best of luck to you and everything that you do. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, like I said, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me this avenue to, to like sit talking and hopefully you know people can listen to this episode and, and like I said, really you know take something from it. If if you haven't watched hockey before, haven't bet hockey, you know, I wholeheartedly suggest you know give it a shot. Yeah, and where can people find you if they want to uh, follow along? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at AXSmithSports. That's all one word. And then you can follow my website, AXSmithSports.com. And I'm also over at AgainstTheNumber.com. Just look up Alex B. Smith. Beautiful, Alex. Well, thank you again for your time. Uh, You've been an awesome guest. And uh, have a wonderful week. And talk to everyone soon. Bye-bye.